And the first question on the page, if anything were possible in the sport of rowing, what would it be? And he emphasized that it was like a sky's the limit, you know, no holds barred question. And so I was like, well, I mean, the sky's the limit version of that would be the Olympics. So I wrote, you know, I think it was the fall of 2003 that I wrote this. So it was with about a year and a half, like I said, after I started rowing. And I wrote, I want, I dream to go to the 2008 Olympics and win a medal. Hi, and welcome to the Empowerment and Courage podcast. We are your hosts, Ellie and Coco, and we speak to professional athletes so that they can inspire you with their stories. We talk about what's beyond the success, things like the challenges and adversity they had to face, and their advice to anyone with big dreams. In today's episode, Ellie speaks with American rower Lindsay Dershoe. She is an Olympic champion, a three-time world champion, a five-time World Cup medalist, and a U.S. National Rowing Hall of Fame inductee. Lindsay speaks about how she was first introduced to rowing halfway through college after some time of feeling insecure and doubting her own abilities. She shares a lot of insights from experiences and things that she has accomplished through her career and explains how she now uses what she learned in her daily life as an elite performance coach and motivational speaker. Lindsay released her own book, Better Great Than Never, in 2020 and also speaks about what went into the book and what we all can learn from reading it. This is an episode about how you can turn your life around and become the best version of yourself. So uh, hi, Lindsay, and uh, welcome to our podcast. Ah, hey, Ellie, it's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure having you here. We're super excited to, to be speaking um, to you today. So I was thinking maybe just to start, you could tell us a bit about, you know, yourself, who you are, and uh, what it is that you do. Yeah, I'm Lindsay Dare-Shoop. I uh, am actually a three-time world champion, Olympic champion in the sport of rowing. Um, and my teammates and I were actually inducted into the U.S. Rowing Hall of Fame as well mm -hmm. for having won the Beijing Olympic Games. It was the first time that any American women won an Olympic gold medal in rowing for the United States at the 2,000-meter race distance. Um, I'm now a coach, author, and speaker as well, and I just finished my first book about the entire experience of how I got into rowing and my entire training experience and then ultimately winning the uh, Olympic Games. And the book does stop there. I don't go far beyond that okay. because there are <laughs> more stories and more books in there. <laughs> that will come after, I guess. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's awesome. Well, thank you for that. Obviously, you, you covered, you know, a lot and that's super cool and definitely things that we're going to speak more about with the Olympics and your book and, and everything. But if we're looking at where you started, like from the beginning, you played, yeah. I mean, I understand that you played a lot of sports growing up, but rowing was actually not something that you were doing. So maybe you can tell us a bit more about that. Sure. I, I mean, you pick a sport, you name it. I probably did it. You know, I started swimming <laughs> when I was very young, somewhere around two years old. Uh, not for the reasons that you might think. It wasn't because I was super athletic. It was because I nearly drowned as a child. So my parents <laughs> put my brother and me <laughs> into okay. swimming lessons. But, you know, I played um, basketball and field hockey, soccer. Uh, I played volleyball. 
uh, just lots of different things, tennis, baseball, mm -hmm. um, and rowing was never in there because it wasn't popular where I'm from. It, there weren't any youth teams around, you know, um, so I didn't actually get into it until I was 20 years old and in college. Mm -hmm. um, I actually didn't think I was good enough to play a sport after high school, so I quit all the sports that I ever played and, and um, spent about two and a half years where I wasn't on a team and wasn't really playing an organized sport before I even found rowing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because from my understanding, you were a really good athlete in high school. You were playing basketball. You were an all-state um, yeah, athlete in basketball during high school. And then when you went to college, you stopped sports. You know, you you said, um, I think uh, when I read something about you, that you gained a lot of weight and you kind of got into, mm -hmm. you know, this period of your life, I guess, where you were insecure. You didn't know if you were good enough. So what was kind of happening at this time in your life? I mean, what do you think? What was the reason why you why you came to this place? Yeah, I mean, I was insecure, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I really I saw other athletes that were excelling around me. And I thought, wow, they're taller than me. They're faster than me. Um, and it gave me this impression that I just wasn't good enough to be as good as they are. And, you know, when you're young, you're, I was a teenager at the time when I had those thoughts in my mind. So I walked away from sports and didn't feel like I had an option that was right for my level of experience at the time. Um, and so when I did go to college and left sports behind, I didn't realize that really my teams were what kind of kept me on track, mm -hmm. you know, not just, you know, being able to play the sport and exercise, but being around other people and having that network and kind of community and having a schedule and having kind of a role model in your teammates and coaches, um, to really kind of keep you on that path. So when I did go to college, all of a sudden I'm in this much bigger place And now I had all of these options and I was like, it was almost paralyzing where I thought, well, now what do I do? So I did a little of this and a little of that and a little of everything, except for, you know, sometimes I tell people that um, I did all the things that college students do. Yeah. <laughs> right at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Which, which ultimately, like you said, led to at least 30 pounds of weight gain in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm my grades dropped, you know, lower than they had ever been in my entire life. I started skipping classes and mm -hmm. staying up all night and not eating well, you know, not sleeping well, and just generally not taking as good care of myself. Because um, I, I honestly didn't really know any better. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like you said as well, you're still a teenager, you're not sure where you want to go, you might not have great confidence, you compare yourself to others. But I mean, at this time, did you at all miss sports or did you not think about it at all, like basketball or other sports that you played before? Yeah, for a little while, I didn't really, um, I didn't realize how much of a role they played in my life okay. until the longer gap of time, you know, went that I, that I didn't have them. And then weird little things started happening where people would come up to me and say, hey, I've seen you around campus, you're an athlete, right? Because I would wear, you know, I went to the University of Virginia um, and I would wear a sweatshirt or a pair of sweatpants. And so I kind of dressed in the way that an athlete might, I guess. And I'm a little over six feet tall. So to be fair, people assume that you're an athlete mm -hmm. if you're, you know, a woman over 5'10", um, depending on what sports you might be yeah. in, you know. <laughs> um, so that started to plant that seed of like, oh. And so I actually responded one time when someone said that to me with, I used to be, but not anymore. And I write that, I write all of these stories in the book, actually, I share like what I was actually thinking in, in these times. And, and um, that response of I used to be but not anymore, kind of was a crux of, huh, wow, other people think I'm an athlete, like, and that really started to plant that seed. And small things like that just kept building to the point where 
um, I finally at one point woke up in the middle of the night full of regret and I mm -hmm. wrote it down in a journal and, and the book has a bunch of journal entries in it too throughout that whole time frame to really give you insight um, into what I was thinking and um, I woke up in the middle of the night and one of the regrets I wrote was I wish I were not a lazy bum I wish a thing or two were different you know then I might have actually been something the world will never know and that includes me um, so that was the place where I was, you know, and I, I just, I had all, I was just like, if only if it weren't too late, you know, and I kid you not the very next day after I woke up in the middle of the night and wrote that I bumped into the college rowing coach to my university of Virginia rowing coach on campus randomly out <laughs> of the blue. And he said, Hey, you know, you should try rowing. And it, the story is a little more elaborate than that. Mm -hmm. and that you, if you want to know it, you can read it in the okay. book. But that was really what happened. It was like all these things accumulated. And all of a sudden, he very serendipitously entered my lap and said, hey, try this. And, um, you know, not to make this a belabor this point, but it was, I didn't like where I was, the path I was on. And I thought, this is a different path. Let's try that one instead. Yeah. And that's like you said, it's, I mean, some people might call it a coincidence, but if you believe in kind of fate and stuff like that, that really makes sense after, you know, you kind of realizing that, okay, wow, maybe other people are viewing me as an, as an athlete. I'm the one that's studying myself and feeling like you wish you made other choices. And then that happens. I mean, that's how you got into rowing. And then that's when everything basically changed or that was the start of change to say. So that's yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes like a big piece of it too, is that I had that happened earlier. I might've said no, mm -hmm. just simply because I didn't have all these other things going on saying, Hey, this isn't right. This isn't right. Like, let's try something new, you know? And it was just, it, it did. It entered my life at, at a very, you know, kind of kismet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you were more mature maybe to accept that idea of maybe trying something different. So that's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. And I was going to say as well, because coming from, you know, those two years or two and a half, however long it was before that happened and you got introduced to rowing, um, the main issue was all of these insecurities and everything. So, mm -hmm. Even though you decided to try something different, how was it when you actually stepped out of the comfort zone and tried something new? It must have still been scary, you know, even though you wanted to try it. It was, yeah, it was, it was very scary. I honestly try, almost ran away on my first day. I, okay. <laughs> I got all the information and I knew where I needed to go on the first day of practice. And I showed up and I walk in and I realized that there were a lot of people there and they all had more experience than me and they were all very athletic and taller than me. So I was like, Oh my gosh, why am I here? I made a mistake. Turned around and tried to run away. Two girls on the team actually um, caught me and said, oh, are you here for practice? You're the new girl. And so I was like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> and they took me back. And and I tell you what really, so it, it was scary. I mean, to the point of my entire, I felt chilled. My face, I felt, got pale. I was, I, it was incredible. I was just incredibly fearful. Mm -hmm. And the thing that really helped break that was that the girls on the team started coming over to me. They recognized that I felt awkward. Um, and they just, one person came up and introduced me and was like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And that was so meaningful that after she did that, another girl came over and said, hi, I'm so-and-so, you know, and something I use as a coach now is the first thing I do when I, when someone is particularly new or when I'm new, I learn someone's name, something so small as introducing yourself to someone. It really creates that point of connection that then makes them feel comfortable and then you connect and when you connect you share and when you share you grow and yeah. that really is what broke that for me yeah so you would say kind of whenever because i mean i can 
I can imagine a lot of people, myself included, feel a bit, you know, anxious. They have feelings of fear and kind of stress going into new things. So would you say that that would be a first step to dealing with those type of feelings when you're in a new situation? Kind of just start by something simple, like learning someone's name, introducing yourself. Yeah. 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 I mean, and it depends on how, you know, take a, take a deep breath before <laughs> you walk into that situation. Yeah. And, and a big thing that actually applied a lot in my racing career too, was recognize that it is going to be intimidating, right? If you try to kid yourself and be like, okay, this new thing is no big deal. Well, no, it actually is a big deal. Recognize, get respected for what it is because you're deciding to do this thing that not everybody has chosen to do. You know, if, if it were easy, everyone would do it. And so give yourself that, that space to go, all right, I got this. Here's my plan. I'm going to go in, take a breath introduce myself to someone one person that's the best way to start yeah it really it really does help <laughs> yeah so obviously then after that because that was your introduction into rowing and things went very very fast whenever you got into the team you started rowing um so one year later only you became a ncaa division one all-american and within the mm -hmm. following three years you joined the u.s national team you broke a world record and you won your first world championship title. So that's a lot of things that happened very quickly once you started yeah. rowing. Um, do you think that you actually understood kind of how fast everything happened when you were in the moment? Or is it more now looking back at it that you're like, okay, wow, that was a lot of things that I did in a very short amount of time. Now that I look back on it and, and, and not to bring up the book again, but like writing the actual book made me realize that more because I dissected all of those memories more. At the time, I didn't know anything about rowing, <laughs> you know, okay. so, so I didn't, I didn't know what a typical timeline was. All I knew was that I would go to practice and I would look at the person that was just a little faster than me and do whatever she did. I would, I would pace that person or just mimic whatever that was You know, rowing teams are pretty big. Um, and you have very few coaches for how big those teams can be. And so you don't get a ton of coaching individually every day. So you take tiny little pieces of advice and you know, focus on them like it is the biggest thing you could possibly do in your life, you know, even if it's just this tiny little thing. So I really learned a ton from my teammates and they really dragged me along almost like a, a game of leapfrog. Okay. And, and we have a ton of fun doing it. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's, yeah, that's, I, I guess that makes sense. Like you said, you try to find what you can in the moment to, you know, get better. Um, but also, like you said, I, that makes sense that afterwards, now looking back at it, you're like, wow, that's a lot of things that I that I did accomplish very, very quickly. Yeah. And especially yeah. writing the book, I guess you have to go back and kind of think about everything from a different perspective, so. Yeah, yeah, and, to, and then to put it all together in terms of, I even had to go back and look at old journals and, and training logs to go, gosh, was it really that timeline that that happened? Mm -hmm. So, you know, fact check all of it. Yeah, it really, it really, really was. In the moment, you're really focusing on what's in front of you. And so you don't realize, you know, and, and, and you know, there's a saying with the Olympics, it's not every four years, it's every day. And when you break it down like that, years of time can seem like a long time. But then when you step out of that later in your life, you know, you realize that it actually is a very small, a very short, a much short, more shortened timeline than how it seemed in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I was going to say, too, that it's pretty cool that you actually, you know, um, you kept the journal and you write down things during yeah. your career, because now afterwards, I bet that's been very useful for you to look back at and get this big perspective for the book it would have been more difficult if you didn't have that I guess yeah and I mean not just for the book but for living it while I was there yeah I not track things I mean this is a huge thing and I and I and I always recommend it to athletes to, to track everything that you can um 
or everything that pops into your mind at that moment, not just the numbers, the way you're feeling, your mood, you know, because that helps you learn in other ways too. You know, if you wake up and you're tired, it might not be your training. It might be that you slept poorly or that you ate poorly mm -hmm. or something else is a little bit off. So all of that helped, you know, I, there were times when I even wrote things down. Like I, I, it was one of those days today. I stepped, I even stepped in a puddle on the way to the car <laughs> after practice. <laughs> Very detailed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but you know, everybody has that day where you're like, oh gosh, could it get any worse? <laughs> I stepped in a puddle too. <laughs> that's awesome though. I mean, that's cool. Must yeah. be fun looking back at that as well. I mean, seeing the, you know, yeah. transformation. <laughs> It, re it really is. And, and you get better at it over time. So you literally get better at the skill of journaling and training logs as you do more of it too. Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, another thing as well, because I listened to an interview that you did where you said that you've been very fascinated with the Olympics and you spoke a bit about that now. Um, and that you thought, you know, when you were a kid, you were thinking about what it would be like to actually get to compete at the Olympics. So whenever you started rowing, how long did it take before you actually got that thought of the Olympics into your mind and going to the Olympics um, competing uh, in rowing? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny that you say this because I, again, have it written down uh, okay. to the day. Within about a year and a half after I started rowing, my college rowing coach sat down our entire team and gave us all a goals sheet and no one had ever said, Hey, what are your goals? in?" like actually made me write down goals in rowing. Um, and there was, there were seven questions on the sheet. And the first question on the page, if anything were possible in the sport of rowing, what would it be? And he emphasized that it was like a sky's the limit, you know, no holds barred question. And so I was like, well, I mean, the sky's the limit version of that would be the Olympics. So I wrote, you know, I think it was the fall of 2003 that I wrote this. So it was with about a year and a half, like I said, after I started rowing. Mm -hmm. And I wrote, I want, I dream to go to the 2008 Olympics and win a medal. And, uh, and then I put in parentheses, even more of a dream would be able to pick someone to be in that boat with me. Um, at the time, that was a reflection of, of a friend of mine that I was rowing with at the University of Virginia, who was also, you know, and that was like, I want to race with her. It would be amazing <laughs> if she was the, you know, and so that's, that really is where it started about a year and a half in, you know, when I, when I was encouraged to think, okay, this is where you are. You're not there yet. All right. That's, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But where could you possibly go if you really went for it? Yeah. Like you said, if the sky was the limit, if there was, you know, everything was possible, where would you want to go? Um, yeah. But as well, I mean, that's when it became kind of a, I guess, goal or a dream, something that you actually started thinking about. But when did you realize that you could actually make it? Because we spoke about you joining the U.S. national team and everything. So when did you first think that, OK, it's actually I mean, it can happen. You know, it's not just a dream. <laughs> yeah. Sitting at the start line of the Olympic Games. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie, you know, because there's always okay. something could always happen. Yeah. You know, I, like you could get sick or injured in the last moment. Like, you know, we're all athletes, you know, we're athletes here. Like anything could happen until it's, until it's actually occurring. And that was something that my friend Molly actually emphasized was you never can count on something until you're in the process of doing it. You could be so prepared. I, um, I wasn't the tallest. I wasn't the strongest. There were athletes that were bigger and taller and stronger and more genetically gifted than me. And yet I was able to excel and pass, you know, quite a few of them. And, um, so really, I was constantly looking at, I need to be better. I need to be better. How can I be better? Okay, that's going well. Awesome. Keep doing that. What else can I be better at? Because there was no limit to how fast I need to be 
in order to make the Olympic team, mm-hmm. let alone win the Olympic Games. So yeah, I'll, uh, sitting at the start line was kind of that moment of, oh, wow, we're, we're here. Yeah, it's <laughs> happening right now. <laughs> this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like you said, I mean, that makes sense. You have to, of course, you don't want to think like negative thoughts, but you have to mm-hmm. kind of at the same time be prepared that anything can happen. So until you're there, it's yeah. actually not 100% yeah. happening. And that's, and that's, again, to go back to the journaling, that's really where that helps too, is, is it's very easy to get caught off guard by something negative happening. Mm-hmm. And you think that it's this major thing and that it's all that's happening because it's a, that's human nature. We fixate on what we can, what either we're doing wrong or something that we can fix. Sometimes we focus on uncontrollable things too, but really, um, when it comes down to it, you know, it, when you track things, it helps you keep in touch with what's going well. And I found that sometimes it would take 10 positive things to for me to realize oh 10 things happened really really well this one thing is actually very small compared to those you know so that's that's another huge piece of value in tracking what you're doing that's cool yeah that's really cool yeah and um i mean just to speak a bit more about the olympics because like i said before it's something that you always kind of thought about you know growing up but then it didn't become a reality until a few years later so in 2008 that's when you become um when you became an olympic champion um in beijing um, so maybe you can just describe a bit, you know, how it would, or what it was like to get to compete at the Olympics. But then also, you know, you spoke now about being at the starting line, like, okay, this is going to happen to actually, you know, finishing the race and realizing that, oh, wow, we win, we won, you know, like, I'm, yeah, but I'm an Olympic champion. I mean, what was that like? Just the entire experience of, of doing that. Yeah, it, it's, I actually start the book with what I was thinking in literally sitting at the start line of the Olympic Games and go through the entire description of what that's like. But, you you know, you're sitting there and no matter how prepared you are, as soon as you get there and it is dead silent at the start of the race, um, you know, all of your nerves hit you in that moment and you go, oh, this is really big, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know? And But at the same time, you then just talk to yourself. I had a tendency to talk to myself in the third person. Like I would literally call myself Shoop. Okay. You know, or Lindsay, as it shoot, as if I'm coaching myself in that moment, and I'm like, and I literally said to myself, "You wanted this. This is where. This is what this has all been for. Like mm-hmm. you and these women that are in this boat, and the women that weren't able to be in that boat with us, but helped make us be faster along the way. Um, this is literally what all of those days were for. <laughs> the countless times." that, you know, you said, yeah, I'm going to keep going. I'm, I want this. I want this. I want this. That's what all the training is for is it's those daily, daily checkings and challenges to be like, are you sure about this? Are you sure about this? Yes. So that when you get to that major moment, you have no doubt in your mind of yes, I said yes, all of those times. Absolutely. I want this, you know, competing at the Olympics because it is the pinnacle of athletic achievement. It really is. Even you know, there are sports that aren't in the games. I've had athletes that, that don't compete at the Olympics simply because, you know, the sport is not there. They've looked at the, an Olympic gold medal or the Olympics and said, you know, I would love to compete there. That would be amazing. And um, when you come away and kind of have a moment to step back and go, wow, we did that, um, you realize that it takes all of your emotions and everything that you ever thought and just elevates them. Mm-hmm. It, it exaggerates them. Your emotions become heightened. Your awareness becomes heightened. Your ability to believe that impossible things are possible becomes heightened. And the number of times that I have 
literally thought about the stories in this book to motivate me now, not only to write the book itself, but to share it with people and talk about it have just been incredible. It's, it doesn't all happen at once. It happens little by little over time. And you have to step back and remind yourself of that, you know, that thing, it, it took that long to win the Olympic <laughs> games, which really for you by most careers, it wasn't, it's very short, in time yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's still a lot of days of course. <laughs> and a lot of time focused on that, you know, for that to happen. So, um, Another really amazing thing too is is that all the athletes there are look at each other. Everybody's dressed head to toe in their country's colors, yeah, and proud of it, you know. And that's really a really neat experience where you're like, I can wear all the American stuff that I want today, <laughs> and not be looked at like a crazy person, you know. And then you see, you know, like you see Sweden and France, and you see China, and you see the Netherlands, and all everybody's colors, you know. And and um, that's just a really indescribable, honestly, experience. Yeah, you're kind of being part of something bigger as well. And I wanted to ask you that. What does it mean for you? Or what did it mean to you to get to represent your country, the United States, at that level, you know, dressing in, in those colors? Yeah, you know, there are deeper um, emotional connections that I did that I don't realize because to this day, something will strike me and I'll just start crying. Um, like if the national anthem plays um, or someone... I work with an athlete that has a light bulb moment of, you know, an aha moment of the self-discovery, which that self-discovery is so empowering for them that they're in charge of taking their steps, that that strikes me emotionally too, you know, because that's what it's all about is what I do now is I just, I want to help other people find that for themselves where it's like, you know, if you can manage that one little step right now, there's no telling what you could be in the future because I was, I was there in the middle of the night waking up wishing I weren't a lazy bum and that I would never be something, you know? And, and these years later went to the Olympics and made Olympic history with my teammates, yeah. you know? So, and that, that really is framing it where it is so emotional and there are connections that you don't even realize. And, and, if I really truly understand it, we'll have to get back on at some point in the future. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to speak again a bit more in detail, maybe. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just there is this level of emotion that you cannot anticipate. Mm -hmm. And then it strikes you when you least expect it. And would you say, you know, because obviously there's all of these emotions, but how was it as well to experience it with teammates? Because you didn't do it, you know, it's not a sport where you're by yourself. It's not individual. You were with a, um, a few other girls as well. So yeah. was it, you know, any different, you would say, because you got to experience it together as a team as well? Did that play into it? Yeah. You know, I, I, the whole experience, rowing is incredibly unique in that you can't just have fast people together. You have to have fast people that are willing to follow each other and, mm -hmm. and work together and match because if you pour in extra effort during you know at, on any given stroke it can get absorbed and lost in the boat so you really have to have a level of trust that runs incredibly deep you know within that group of people and if even one person for one stroke isn't all in and trusting one another one you know everyone else in the boat and moving really well you know well with them if there isn't that flow um the speed is lost for even that one tiny little tiny little stroke And, um, so having that connection with that group of people just makes the whole experience that much better because, you know, we were each 
individually good at what we mm-hmm. did. Of but course. when we came together, it, that allowed us to jump off the page. You know, I call it the X factor, you know, because it really does exist. And it just makes it, it, it's never been about me. I would never have been able to excel without my teammates. And so to be able to stand there alongside them and be just wonderful, close, connected friends to this day, you know, we were just on a video call together the other day. You uh. know? <laughs> it's, it's, that does make it even more special all along the way. It also makes me realize the importance of connection, whether it's a sport or not, you know, everyone in your life has positive impact, has the ability to positively impact you. Um, and you have the same for others. And when you behave that way every single day, you, it helps you be better, but it helps others be better because you are literally through your actions, making the world a better place. Yeah, exactly. And I understand that's a lot of, you know, what you live every day, um, helping others become, you know, their best because you did that transformation of, of finding, you know, yourself and finding what was the best for you in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And and I look back to that moment of bumping into my college coach. And to this day, I send him every year, I send him a thank you card because he, he quite literally presented me with an opportunity to change my life. I had to put the effort in. Mm-hmm. I had to be willing to say yes when it was hard and scary. Um, but it was an opportunity that, that I seized and kind of ran with for like a better <laughs> phrase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but absolutely. And obviously, I mean, throughout your career at the Olympics, that was a very special moment for you. But aside from that, do you have any other like favorite moments from your career and all the things that, you know, you got to experience? <laughs> you know, there are... <laughs> There are so many times that my teammates and I just had so much fun in our training. Okay. Even on those hard, awful days when you're running five miles of hills in the pouring down rain and it's 45 degrees outside and you're like slipping on the grates and your knuckles are bleeding because it's <laughs> so cold. You know, you, you come away from that like, oh my gosh, you know, if I'd been alone, that would have been much harder. But because I had my teammates there, you kind of can turn it into a silliness where you're just like, wow, we're really doing this. We're going, we're, <laughs> this is happening right now. <laughs> and it allows you to kind of laugh and having all of those moments to really decompress together and laugh about things have just been so important. And I share those, a lot of those stories in the book, you get to see some of those silly moments where we got lost running in the woods <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> Here we are thinking we're just training and now we're just having a scavenger hunt because we don't know where we're going. So a lot of those moments I point to, um, and it, there isn't just one that I could pick. There are many and they all boil down to this just, even while we were training, we always found humor and had fun with it. And there was every single day, a moment of just levity because I mean, hard, hard training like that can be pretty, it can bog you down. And so to be able to share those connections with people, um, one of my favorite moments that is a really fun story in the book was getting lost okay. on a run <laughs> with my teammates where we were training at the Olympic training center and we got lost. And, um, to the point where we finally said, okay, we can't keep following this trail. Let's just go straight up this hill. I mean, and so we just, we started just trudging straight up the side of this very steep hill to the point where, you know, I'm walking and my heart rate was like 180, you know, okay. <laughs> I'm holding onto the grass as I'm like trying to scale the side of this, we'll still call it a hill. Um, and we finally get to the top of this hill and the view was just amazing. You know, there was sunset, we looked back and you could see the sun basically setting over the ocean and the lake where we were rowing. And here in the beginning, there were kind of like, oh my gosh, a couple of people started grumbling because we'd gotten lost. And 
then you again you just couldn't help but laugh and when we got to the top it was just so amazing and so beautiful that that really kind of captured a metaphor for what we were doing yeah after you know climbing the hill or however <laughs> steep it was you get to the top and you're kind of annoyed to begin with and then you see the yeah. view and you're like wow that's that's beautiful <laughs> yeah and the fact that we were on a path and then we decided you know what this path is not leading us in the right direction anymore we know the top is there. Let's figure out how to get there, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's what we did. And that was, that was really the entire rowing experience was the top is there. We're not just staring at it because I probably would have grumbled, but it was, it was really like, okay, that's where we want to go. Let's figure this out together. Yeah. So that's, I guess, yeah, that was again, like you said before, you know, being able to share the experience, not only when you perform at different competitions and stuff, but just every day, you know, practicing, going through all the hard work that it takes to actually get there, you were able to share with other people and have a laugh in between as well. So that must have been important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really, really was. I mean, you know, and that, that uh, helped build a trust among, mm -hmm. among us as well, you know, because we knew all of those other little things that we were really there for one another with and we connected on a deeper level uh, within practice, but it was it was elements of, that were not training elements that um, allowed us to flow even better when we got in the boat. Yeah, of course, of course. And I was going to say that today, you know, you have retired from your own elite rowing career, leaving behind a lot of awards and accomplishments. I, I named a few before, but I'm going to go through some of them now as, uh, as well, just to, you know, explain to everyone listening. So um, you're an Olympic champion, you're a three-time world champion, um, five-time World Cup medalist, U.S. National Rowing Hall of Fame inductee and a two-time NCAA All-American. So that's, you know, a lot of lot of cool things that you did in a short amount of time. And you've been very successful looking at it from that perspective with awards and accomplishments. But a question that I think is so interesting is to kind of understand what success means to you. You know, is it these awards that I just mentioned, all the things that you accomplished, or what does it mean to you to truly be successful? Yeah, you know, it's it's about everything except that, you know, it's it, the success is really like, how can I be better today? How can I be a little bit better? And, and when I am able to live the way that I want to live in, in a in a balanced life, in a balanced way um, where I can be healthy and I can take positive, productive steps, that's true success. You know, the <clears throat> the rowing was the outlet for me to express that of like, gosh, and the passion is not necessarily the rowing itself, but the fact that the rowing allowed me to grow. Mm -hmm. So the growth is really the passion. Um, and that's, and that's one of the biggest challenges I think that athletes, you know, really face is like when they don't have their sport anymore, it's to find that outlet because the passion is the growth, you know, it, the learning is the growth. And so that's the success. And so it's a matter of continuing to find ways that allow you to, to, to do that, you know? Um, and then when you surround yourself with people, that are doing, you know, on board for the similar things, um, that just you know, takes it off the charts in terms of your growth. Okay, so it's not, I mean, it's about the sport, but at the same time, it's about the growth. Like the sport is just yeah. kind of the way of getting there, of growing and getting where you want to, yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah. And so, so for me, the, the success really is that continual growth. It's hard. It's very hard. You wake <laughs> up in the morning some days and you're like, am I really? You know? Yeah. <laughs> But it, it is like when it, I find that when I feverishly continue to learn things, and that's one of the things that I love about coaching is that you learn from everyone that you get to work with. You know, it's, you know, the athletes become your teammates where, and their feedback too is amazing because like I, I, I mentioned earlier is when they have light bulb moments, you immediately think, okay, 
did I set something up? Was there something I did that helped that? How can I be better at that so that someone else can have another light bulb or so that this person can have Mm -hmm. again, another light bulb? Because, you know, now it's the fact that someone did that for me once upon a time that made me feel so empowered. Um, and so in control of the controllables that allowed me to continue to grow, can I possibly do that for someone else? Because it's an amazing transformation, you know? And so that's, that's really what everything I do every day is all about. Yeah, that's very, that's very interesting. I haven't heard it, you know, like that type of answer, that perspective before, but I like that, that it's more, the sport is kind of the outlet for, for where you want to go and yeah, for growing that. No, I, I really like that. That's cool. Yeah. It's it's different, but yeah, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Good, I really I'm do. glad. You know, oh, but yeah. that's what's so cool too, because I think success is so individual. Like it means a lot of different things to different people. So it's it's an interesting perspective on it, because it's easy to get stuck up on or hung up on, you know, all the awards and the things like that. And although mm-hmm. those are super cool and they're important as well, you know, for what you've been through, it's it's maybe not what what means the most or ultimately what's the the biggest thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people always ask, you know, well, what if you didn't win? Well, none of the steps along the way that trudge up the side of the mountain would have still been there. You know, all the little things that we did along the way, all the connections, the friendships, the things that we did overcome, they would have all still been there. But this one thing would have been different. I can't Mm -hmm. speak on how I would feel had that one thing been different, you know, so that does also, you know, maybe not answer (laughs) the question fully, but but when I came back from Beijing and I, um, I met up with a friend, a family friend that has known me since I was very young, um, we started talking about all kinds of things, just catching up. And this is actually a place where I, where I do end the book is I tell, I shared this story completely, um, is that I handed her the medal and she wasn't really that interested in the medal. She kind of looked at it and said, you know, Lindsay, this is a social validation of the person you've always been. And that really ties into that. It's not about the external thing because what, what, because then you're just constantly searching, well, what next? And if you don't have that specific competition next, I mean, you know, then it, it limits you to a certain extent or it puts you on a treadmill of constant now what moments. So if you're able to shift your perspective to how can I grow today? How can I be a little bit better than I was yesterday? And that honestly might even just be, can I get five extra minutes of sleep today compared to yesterday? Because that'll help you manage all the things that you're doing while you're awake. And, um, you know, probably, I can't say probably, definitely the fact that my teammates and I were able to win the games and we were able to do all those things that allow, that builds up my confidence. Those social validations help a lot. You know, I would, I would be remiss if I, if I denied that fact, it's incredibly you know, but it, it allows me to speak on that. This was the, the way that that happened. You know, the, the metal itself was technically the byproduct of my, and I can't say completely for my athletes. I will say our here, but maybe I don't want to put words in their mouth was that we really had little benchmarks every day and we aimed to get a little better every day. Yeah. And the result of that was winning the Olympics. When we trained, here's another way to look at it. When we trained, we didn't train based on who won the year before. We trained based on speeds that were faster than world record speeds. That way it took our focus away from other people. We didn't get hung up on what everyone else was doing. We literally were just training for something that no one else had ever done before so that we didn't have to focus on other people. And it allowed us to spend more of our time focusing on what we needed to do to be as fast as possible. Yeah. 
No, that's really interesting as well. Like you said, focusing on you, like what you can control. You can't really control what anybody else does anyway. So there's no point in in looking at them really. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a chapter in the book called control control what you can. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of the taglines that our coach, you know, that really struck stuck uh, stuck out at me mm-hmm. because the first world championships that my teammates and I went to, we lost badly. And then within a year, a, a year later, we set the world record. You know, for, we went from losing and being demoralized to setting the world record. And one of the things that happened in between those two things was our coach sat us all down, said, this is what it looks like. This is what it will take. And then some to win the Olympics, if that's truly what you want to do. And two of the things that he said in that meeting were control what you can, ignore what you can't. And preparation is confidence. Let your every day give you that little bit of confidence that allows you to go, okay, okay, I'm making progress toward that thing that I want. And I'm controlling what I can to make progress toward that thing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, (laughs) it's funny as well that we speak about that and it's the exact same thing in the book, but that, of course, it it makes sense. It's what you've been through. So it all connects somehow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't control other people. You can't control the weather. It really is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you you mentioned it quickly now. Obviously, it wasn't like... you know, a straight row that you just started rowing and everything went great and you just won this and you won that. I mean, obviously there's a lot of obstacles on the way. There's, you know, there are a lot of adversity and things that you have to face. So what would you say, you know, throughout your sports career, both maybe when you were younger playing basketball, but also when you started rowing, like what are some of the challenges that you have to face um, to get to where you are today? Um, obviously the one in college that we spoke about already where you were lost and you were insecure and everything, but except for that, what are some challenges that you that you had to overcome? Yeah. I mean, when you're young, you know, one of the things that I um, dealt with was that I was tall and awkward and I kind of got picked on a little bit for that. And I grew up with mostly boys. So when I was with them, when I was young, it was cool. You know, you're keeping up with them. You're like the strong, fast girl. That's cool. But then when you go through those awkward middle and high school years, it starts to really strike at your confidence and make you go, it's awkward. People are making fun of my big feet. They're making fun of my height. They're making fun of my clothes because they don't fit right. Because when I was growing up, women's shoes didn't come in my shoe size. You know, I wear a women's 12 and a half on my right foot. You know, so, you know yeah. pant legs were always too short. Shirt sleeves were always too short. So I ended up having to wear either baggy clothes or boys shoes. You know, and I, I talk about that stuff in the book too, is that it's, it, it really is those kind of confidence shakers that we all take little nicks at every day. And for a while you just kind of hide it. And then it just kind of, you know, chips away at you over time to the point where you're just kind of like, a, and so having those outlets that allow you to kind of build back up from that, having role models, you know, people that, that did also maybe go through that, that you can look up to and, you know, for them to just say to you, it's going to be okay, you know, is, is one thing, but it really is true. And that little tiny, those little tiny things do help. Um, we talk uh, two other things I'll say is we talk a lot about failure and embracing failure right now and being willing to fail. Um, and that is incredibly important. Uh, but we also need to have things that we do have little wins because that helps us deal with the failure. Mm-hmm. If you constantly feel like you're failing, then there is nothing worse than that, you know? So doing things that allow you to be like, yeah, I own that. I'm really good at that. Writing that down is very helpful. I had a great day at this. I, you know, woke up and did my stretches this morning or whatever it was. And it really just put you in a positive mood. Own that and really take a moment to sit back and savor it um, because that's going to help you deal with it when it gets really hard because you're, you need to embrace both mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> the success and the failure because they, they help you. Uh, 
And then, and then at the, the, you know, at the national team level, going through that, it's literally just all those same things exaggerated, you know, just to the nth degree, where you're constantly, if, if, a, if a day goes wrong, you know, um, it really wears at you because you've spent, you've dedicated your whole life. You've, you know, I moved to New Jersey to do this thing. I uprooted my entire life to focus on this thing. And so when you feel like that starts to get ripped away from you, it's incredibly demoralizing and you have to just constantly step back and go, what am I doing right? What can I do now? Um, and I, and I tell specific stories about that in, in the book too, where I had teammates that intervened either in a joking way or in a smack you in the head <laughs> way or in a, it'll be okay kind of way, um, that helped me get through it. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So there were like different things that kind of helped you to, to pass or to push through those challenges or those difficult times that you, yeah. know, you were in. Yeah. And I, and I do like uh, when you train in rowing, you don't train in team boats. That means boats with two or more people in them um, all the time. You spend most of your time with very few people. You're all together at practice and then you kind of do your thing simply because you're all rowing on a big body of water. Um, but the idea that you have teammates, that's kind of the support network. When we talk about healthy living outside of sport, we talk about having a support network. And it really just is so true. Um, because whether it's in a sport, on a sports team, or out of sport, on a life team, you know, having that really helps because you can build each other up and it makes all the goods even better. And on those bad days, you can kind of reach over and go, hey, friend, it's going to, you know, how can I help? And that that is, is just so meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. And whenever you were rowing, like throughout your rowing career, did you ever get to a point where you felt like it was too much to handle? Did you ever think about giving up, like to stop rowing? Or did you have enough of that, you know, um, support to, to keep going? You know, I never I never once thought uh, that I, all I wanted to do was row for as long as I possibly could because it was making better, making me better every day. Um, and when I, when I was having those lows during training, I mean, there was one time when I broke down and just started sobbing you know, I, I couldn't hold in the tears because I felt like this life that I wanted, um, was being taken away from me. Um, and that's one of these things where one of my teammates intervened and said, Hey man, it's just practice. We're going to come back this afternoon and have a go at it again, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, even during those times, that's, it's when things get hard like that, that it really forces you to go, do I actually want this? And the more that you want it, the more that it's connected to you and that it's so meaningful to you. Um, and that it's not about some, you know, we talked before about some external thing that it's about it, what's, what it's allowing you to become and that you're proud of that person that you're becoming as a result of that, then you are willing to put more into it. If it's just about, ah, silver's okay, you're not going to put as much into it, you know. But when it's like, gosh, I'm proud of who I am because of this, it makes you willing to put that foot forward again. Um, yeah, so it's not, like you said before, it's not about that specific competition or that specific goal. Although you want to get there, it's more every day I'm getting better while I'm doing this. Yeah, and that's and that is literally what the, what the book is all about. You know, with the title Better Great Than Never, that really, it's the idea that you know, like I said before, people have asked, like, what if, what if you didn't win? You know, I haven't been asked that question in a little while, but what if you didn't win? Well, even if we didn't win, we would have been so much better than we would have ever been had we not trained as if we could win. Of course. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and, it, and you know, and, and it's a play on better late than never, but it's the idea that no matter where you are, it is never too late to decide to take those steps very patiently and <laughs> determinedly. 
Um, because no matter what you do, no matter where you end up, you're going to be great. You're going to be so much better than you would have been otherwise had you never gone after it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So whenever you then started rowing, I mean, I know you had your motivation of doing something new, you know, like trying something completely different, uh, pretty much. But did you have like a person or was there something else that was like your specific motivation to become like really good at rowing? Is that again, you know, that self journey of transformation or was there a person that kind of, you know, was your big inspiration or, or something like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, my college coach really started with the opportunity. Like when he presented me with that opportunity, that was day one. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it probably was, that wasn't really the true day one, but it really was a step, you know? And then, and then the team that I had, my teammates, gosh, we just had so much fun together, you know? And even, even so in college and then also with the national team, I even had the thought in, in our race, normally my, my brain would go blank during races, but in our Olympic final, in the closing, you know, 30 to 45 seconds of the race, this thought popped into my head of, I will not let my teammates down. You know, and so those last 30 to 45 seconds when you've come this far and you're nearly like it is right there in your grasp um, and the finish line is fast approaching and teams are bearing down on you. The thought that I break out of literally nothingness or just yes more to I will not let my teammates down. Um, I think that just proves a big piece of what really helped through all of those times was my teammates, you know, and the fact that every day rowing as a sport allows you to get better in some way even when something is going really wrong you can still improve on something else you can you know the weight room your sleep the way you take care whatever there's so many things shoot you could just be five minutes earlier to practice yeah exactly <laughs> there are a lot of tiny little controllables and so those things just be engaged me so much yeah no that makes sense and it's kind of what you said before as well like it's like getting five more minutes of sleep. And it's actually something I started doing. I started like making my bed every morning. It sounds so stupid, but it's like, okay, I'm like, I finished the first task, you know, of the day I'm done. I did something, <laughs> you know, to, yeah, to start yeah. the day. It's just a small thing sometimes that they do, I guess, mean, mean a lot or they do something for you that means, you know, like in a bigger picture, like getting better, doing something. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's so funny because I've recently now, I think it, not that long ago, um, someone mentioned to me or I read, that um, the British cycling team was terrible once upon a time. And now the British cycling team is very fast. And one of the things they did was that they decided to focus on where could they get like the tiniest little bit of speed. Every small thing, you know, something so small as the color of the inside of their van because of dust, like so small. And that really is what it's all about. You know, it's, it's not about some one major thing. It's what tiny little thing can I do that actually accumulated over time will have a huge impact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the big picture about every small thing. Like you said before, I really like that about the Olympics as well. It's not, you know, training for the Olympics every four years. It's like every, every day, it's kind of like the Olympics. So yeah, that's that, that makes sense, yeah. yeah. So many metaphors. Yeah, <laughs> of course, no, but I, I need to bring up what you said like before again and again, because it, it's so good. It makes sense in my head, you know, when you say it and when I think about it, it all just connects. <laughs> So, yeah, and there are lots of examples of it. Yeah, you know. of course, of course. And uh, I wanted to speak to you a bit about, you know, after your career as well, because after retiring, like you said, right now you're coaching. Um, you actually started coaching as you were a rowing coach at Barry University and also at University of Miami. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I, I worked with the high, middle school and high school programs prior to that for about two years. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's kind of how you got into, you know, coaching um, first. Was that something that you always kind of saw yourself doing whenever you stopped rowing competitively? Did you know that already, that that's where you were, were going to go? <laughs> it's, it's really funny because we used to, my teammates and I used to kind of talk about this and joke about it a little bit, you know, that, that I never personally considered my thought that I would coach. And if I did, it would be later in my career because it was, you know, quote, always something I could do. You know, that is always an option for athletes. They can always end up coaching. And so for two and a half, for the first two and a half years, I actually, after I did ocean rescue and I still to the, I now am do, I do ocean rescue part time, which is open water lifesaving. You okay. Know? Um, and so that was something that I had wanted to do since I was very young and I kind of accidentally fell into coaching, um, at the kind of request and suggestion of a friend. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give this a try. I'll give it a go. See what it's like. Um, and I fell in love with it, you know, for the reasons that we mentioned before, as soon as you see, as soon as you're helping create an environment that allows people to dis to find self-discovery and that self-discovery is empowerment, which is, I love that about this podcast is mm -hmm. the empowerment and the courage, you know, that, that to have a hand in that, because I know what my coaches and teammates did for me, um, that if there's anything I can do to do that for other people. And so that has allowed me to fall in love with coaching, um, which is also why, I love, because I work with people of all ages, I work with teams and private clients, I love kind of the teaching coaching element. I get to I get to share and speak through the book, but I also do public speaking and things like that because they're, and they're all connected in the same way. It's all about motivating, inspiring, educating some, any way that you possibly can to help empower people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you said there, like, you work with people that are at different, you know, levels in their career or whether it's rowers or non-rowers, it's like, um, yeah, high school athletes, Olympians, Paralympians, what is it that is so special about, you know, working with people that are in different, you know, stages of, of their careers or, um, yeah, like that are just different ages, everything. You know, one of the biggest things I've noticed by working with lots of ages is that our perspective really never changes. We just have different amounts of experience. Um, so a lot of the things that I'll work with masters athletes, so people that are 75, you know, or a Paralympic athlete or an Olympic athlete or a middle school athlete is that we're all thinking to ourselves, how can I get better? <laughs> and, and it seems that the people, the higher up that people do tend to go, obviously the pyramid gets smaller and there are fewer and fewer people at those peaks. They, no matter how many times they do something right or well, they're constantly thinking, did that actually happen? How can I be better at this? <laughs> you know, and that's really impressive to see when, you know, I've been able to work with someone who has been to multiple Olympic games and still thinks to herself, how can I be better at this? What was it that worked? Um, and, and we all do get discouraged no matter how much experience. And there's just a difference in the amount of encouragement or guidance from a technical standpoint or a psychological standpoint that we need. Um, and so that's a really beautiful thing to see is that, we're all human. We're all similar. We have all have so much in common and finding ways to better ourselves through self-discovery and learning seems to be a consistent desire mm -hmm. um, at all ages and a consistent message. Do you find it, you know, more difficult um, to work with maybe people that are older that have more experience or less experience? Or, I mean, is there like a generic, like, okay, typically younger people are easier or more difficult to work with. 
it's just different. Okay. You know, um, and because uh, people enter the sport at different ages, there are people that start when they're very, very young, you know, mm-hmm. fourth grade, fifth grade. Uh, and there are people that don't start till they're 20. You know, I was 20 before I started rowing. Um, is that, which one would you call a novice? You know, so different different ages don't necessarily correlate to different levels of experience. Mm-hmm. I've worked with ninth graders, so 12 and 13 year olds, who are just some of the most mature athletes I've ever worked with, you know? And so, so age doesn't necessarily dictate your ability to be really good and really focused. Um, so yeah, so I would just say that, that the needs are just different. You know, the way that you mm-hmm. phrase things are just different. Tons of overlap in terms of what you're sharing. Um, you just get to uh, adapt your language, which again, makes it so interesting for me. And that's what keeps coaching so interesting for me is that I constantly look to find new ways to phrase things better so that people can understand, um, again, to to help them to facilitate that self-discovery. And take self-care. Okay. (laughs) Self-care is is definitely a consistent message. Yeah. You know, we all need to do these basic things um, that will help us stay as healthy as possible. And that goes for no matter how old you are and no matter what sport you're in, and if you're a non-athlete too. Self-care, self-care, self-care. Yeah, it's always important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the, specifically, if you want to know what, what I mean by that is, and this is something that I always tell people, mm-hmm. that the basics of, of being really great at something is not doing all the things. It's doing a few things really, really well and focusing on them. Um, sleeping, <laughs> hydrating, eating, and moving, because they will all allow you to think better, and they just become this constant cycle of progress. I, you know, I, I get into more specifics, obviously, with, with particular clients and athletes that I work with. But those really, oh my gosh, if you do those things really, really well, you can, you can go really far. So those are some of the key things that you really focus on then when you, when you work with people and clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason, I, the reason I do is, uh, you know, going through all of my stacks of training logs over the years, people over the years have started asking me, like, what did you do? What was the secret? What was the supplement that you took? Or what was the special diet? You know, I, right. I... I didn't drink coffee. I slept so much. I mean, we're talking 10, 12, 14 hours a day when it was like when I wasn't training, I was sleeping. Oh, wow. Um, I just ate very simply. And if I found that my stomach was easy after I, you know, didn't get upset easily, I, tr- I wrote that down. I can eat this and not get sick, you know. Uh, and I just started doing more of those things. I stayed incredibly hydrated and would track that and paid attention to how I felt as a result. That's why I say the mood and the tracking, if you pay attention to how you're actually feeling and performing, then you can connect the dots between the other self-care habits that are allowing you to excel. Um, I didn't, I didn't take a supplement. I didn't even take Tums for calcium, you know? So if someone can go to the Olympics and stay injury free or relatively injury free for seven and a half years straight without being this genetic monster, that says a lot about doing the simple self-care things really, really well to go very far. Um, and that, you know, in life outside of sport, it just helps you manage stress, physical and mental stress. Mm-hmm. The more physically robust you are, the better you can manage physical and mental stress. Yeah. And yeah. Like even if you're not an athlete, I mean, those are still important things to consider to be, you know, mentally and physically healthy and everything like that. So, but it's funny how you say that, you know, people always look for like this shortcut or like, Oh, what diet did you go on? Or, what supplement did you take as if 
there's like a quick fix or something super easy to do. I mean, that's not <laughs> that's not how it works, but yeah. it's it's what people look for most of the time. They want to take the quick fix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want a quick quick fix, go take a nap. Yeah, <laughs> take, exactly. Take a twenty minute nap. Yeah, there's your quick and that's fix. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe have a cup of not a cup of coffee. Maybe have a laugh with a friend. Yeah, <laughs> there's another quick fix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but it's interesting, yeah. and I liked you said as well that you know today when you're a coach you're also looking for ways that you can do things better so that your clients can be better and when I was doing research I actually found this quote that you used to kind of describe your coaching philosophy and it was that when you are the best that you can be for yourself then you can be even better for other people is that then Mm -hmm. something that you know you live by as a coach today and when you work with people yes I I definitely do uh I actually have ideas for other books to write, one of which is because after the Olympic Games, which is beyond the scope of this particular first first book that I wrote, but uh, in the, I went through overtraining for the first time in my life, and it was simply because I did too much too soon, and it broke me down, you know, physically and mentally, and then after I retired, you know, and, you know, ended up winning world championships even after that point, to be honest, but um, after I retired and got into work life where I was coaching and, and in graduate school, working on my master's in exercise physiology, um, recruiting, working at the collegiate level, all the same types of things started to happen where I felt like I was being broken down. And I that actually prevented me from being motivating and positive and to be the role model that I could be uh, for others. And so I wasn't literally able to do all the things that I wanted and needed to be able to do. So it really kind of showed me this basement and ceiling in life, mm-hmm. you know, of, of what, how, and when is too much where I'm not, you know, sleeping and eating well and taking enough care of myself physically, because that has such an impact on, on, had on me mentally, um, that, that yeah, I need to be able to make, keep that in my life in order to really be incredibly p- productive to help other people. You know, so if you aren't your best self, you're going to negatively impact someone else. Mm-hmm. So kind of start with yourself and then you can go ahead and help help other people. Yeah. And, and I don't and I don't mean that in like a selfish way of like, it's about me. It's it's no, it's like, OK, OK, I need to be able to provide this resource, you know, because if my brain isn't thinking properly, I'm not going to be able to get the words out to help. I can't coach properly or mm-hmm. I can't teach properly. I'm doing those around me a disservice, you know. Yeah. And today, would you say that, I mean, do you look at yourself and see yourself as a role model, someone that, you know, have a lot to inspire others with? It's actually, I mean, it's a funny question because we ask this a lot and some people have a difficulty of, you know, seeing themselves as a role model or as an inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I look around uh, at my teammates and I know that I look at them as role models for me. And, um, And I know that other people look at them as role models. And so when I realize that, I'm like, I mean, I guess that includes me, especially, you know, when people say that, you know, when you, when you, I've worked with hundreds of athletes over the years, if not more than that, you know, and and I've had parents that, you know, years later, thank me for helping their kid and inspiring their kid and, and individual athletes saying the same things. And it literally makes me melt every time, you know, I have, I have, um, young athletes that I've worked with either this year or years ago, and they're all on Instagram, you know, and they're, started because the book just launched you know recently and so um it hasn't been out very for very long but they're just like hashtagging it and tagging it and just like saying thank you for this time that you did this thing for me and uh, and when i see that because of course i i see the tags on it i'm just like wow i had no idea 
you know, and I, and I hope that they're like a seed that they're now positively impacting people. And I, and I feel that's really where like the pay it forward, you know, that really is what it is, is that we're, if, when you're good for someone else, they can be good for someone else and so on. And it just makes it just like a wave of positive progress across the planet. <laughs> yeah, know? for sure. <laughs> no, but that's what it's like. And I can say just, I mean, speaking for myself or, you know, speaking for me and Coco, I mean, just doing the research, like I think I told you before on you and finding out more about what you've been through, your story, that was incredibly inspiring. And just also uh. now listening to everything that you say, I mean, sometimes I guess it's it's not about, you know, trying to reach everyone. Of course, you want to reach everyone with your story. But at one point, if you are able to inspire one person with what you do, that's extremely cool. And that can set off, like you said, that type of wave. So I mean, just yeah. from me um, to you, I mean, I, I'm incredibly inspired and I think it's awesome what you've done. And it's just, it's so nice to have you here and be able to hear more and understand what, what goes on in your mind. So uh, I, I, you, this is fantastic. I mean, your questions are amazing. The conversation is amazing. I mean, I, I think that it, this also goes to show here we are on, you know, opposite sides of the planet connecting. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so special. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's, it's yeah. really great. It's a pleasure to have you here. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, same to you. Same to yeah, you. Thank you. <laughs> and I wanted to also speak, I mean, you're a public speaker today, you know, you do talk to, to people yeah. a lot and obviously, you know, give them your keys and things that you've learned throughout your journey. But I understand that from the beginning, you did not like public speaking at all, like you actually hated it. And it's funny because I, I can't see that at all. It seems like that's something that you're, you know, you've always been good at the way you're speaking yeah. and interacting with people. So maybe you can just explain how, you know, that changed from hating it to actually loving it, I guess, yeah. that you're loving it yeah. today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still get nervous, you know, um, but I, I, I actually dropped a class when I was in college because I found out I would have to get up and give a presentation in front of the class. It scared me that much. I was like, this class is not for me. I wanted to take the <laughs> class, you know, but that's how much it scared me. And, um, it, even to the first time that I ever did it, it, it scared me. And to this day, you know, someone once said to me, you get nervous before the things that you care about. And it's true. You know, that's why it's really scary. You care about it. First, it starts with, oh gosh, how am I going to look in front of these people? I hope I deliver what they want to hear. And when you can start to think, maybe there is something I could say that could help. Because think about a time, I think about times when I listened to other people around me speak about something that they're knowledgeable about or inspired by. And that left marks on me. Teachers, banquet, whatever whatever it was that you listened to. And so then when you can kind of flip it and go, huh, this is an outlet to share something that is apparently important. Um, and then you get to get up there and, and, and share it. Um, you never really get over that nervousness, or at least I never do, because of that reason of caring about it. Like I want to do right by the people that are listening. Um, I can say that the way my dad would say it is that I didn't speak until I was two. Didn't say a single word until I was two years old. And as soon as I started speaking, it came out in full sentences <laughs> and in elaborate detail. And um, that's just all how I've always been. And I didn't think it was anything particularly special, but that's how we all work, isn't it? The things that we know and the things that we do, we often take for granted because we don't realize they're special. And we're all the best at something. It's just really hard for us to see it for ourselves because we tend to go, it's just me though. This that's just work. That's just me, you know, and you don't realize that other people don't know those things or that other people don't do those things. And so that's, um, 
a, a piece of it too, I guess, is to go, gosh, and you, and I don't think you'll ever realize that for yourself is to be able to say, yeah, I can do that. You know, no, but the more that people res respond in a certain way, you're like, maybe, maybe that is important. Maybe I am good at art. Maybe I am good at singing. Maybe mm -hmm. I am good at this sport. Maybe I am really great at being a supportive friend or teammate, you know, um, and so to continue to find ways to get better at that little by little is just so, so incredible, so important. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. No, absolutely. And I mean, that's just cool as well that you went from not liking it at all <laughs> to that's what you do today. You know, you tell your story, you speak to others. That's that's an incredible transformation as well. I mean, on top of everything else that, that you've done. Um, yeah. So, I mean, when you speak to people today, because I guess it's um, it's a mixed audience, right? Like you speak to kids mm -hmm. sometimes, but you also speak yeah. to adults sometimes. Yeah. What are like the main things that you wish that they could take away from what you're telling them, like from your journey and your story? Mm -hmm. What are the things that you focus on? Yeah, there are a couple of things. The biggest one is possibility, right? To go along with what we were just talking about with um, the things that we take for granted in ourselves. We never give ourselves enough credit And it's sometimes hard to see, like, where could I be if I did that? And that's really what it is, especially when we're young. Where could I be if I did that? That possibility of you never know where you could go. And if you really think about, you know, the title of the book itself being better, great than never is it is never too late to start thinking that if it didn't happen when you were four or it didn't happen when you were 14 or it didn't happen when you were 40 it doesn't matter. Every single day is an opportunity to turn everything around or into the direction of your possibility. So that's like the main, yeah, the main focus, like the main area that you, that you speak about. Yeah. There are so many other messages and things like of that, course. that really, they all allow you to embrace that. And it really kind of begins with like, Oh, what if, what if I did do that rather than, Oh, I could never do that. Well, what if you did? And then all of the other actions are, you know, happen after that. Yeah. It reminds me of that piece of paper that your coach gave you, you know, okay, if the sky was the limit, like where could you go? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I wanted to put that. So the cover of the book I'm going to show to you has yeah. like, has this, and that's a piece the, at the bottom. You probably couldn't see it that well, but that's a piece from that actual, um, Uh, goal sheet just a different question because you can't oh, put olympics okay. yeah you can't put the uh, rings or the word olympics on a book mm -hmm. and i was going to put at the bottom that actual question but i couldn't do it simply for you know copyright reasons and stuff but um but it's in there it's still yeah. a piece of it yeah 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 that's really really cool and i mean we'll be speaking a bit about your book um so far throughout your com or our, our conversation but i wanted to you know um speak a bit more specifically about your book because it was very recently um, released. So like you mm -hmm. said, it's called Better Great Than uh, Never. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, Believing It's Possible is Where Champions Begin. So I haven't read the book. I really want to read it. I'm looking forward to doing so. But maybe you can just tell us like where this idea came from. I mean, when did you did you wake up and realize that, okay, this is going to happen. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> For the book? Yeah. I mean, years ago, I mean, my friends in middle school made fun of me because I talk a lot, you know, and, okay. and I've been working on that is to, is, okay, how can you pare down these words? Uh, so they used to pick on me and they, they made a little fake book called Lindsay's Life Stories. And over the years, it was kind of like that planted a seed. And um, when I was in college, I started journaling more. And that was the initial, let me brain dump all of these stories. So it started then. Um, then it kind of jumped from handwriting to using pencil and, and very intentionally writing. After I retired from rowing was when I really started writing things down to very intentionally write a book. And is when I started telling people that I really wanted to write a book. 
Um, and so then uh, honestly, I, writing a book is incredibly hard. <laughs> uh, the, um, I wrote probably 115 or so pages, scrapped it, wrote another 115 or so pages, scrapped it. And then well, a year ago, yeah. It, it, Cause you never, it's like, what, what, but that's all exploratory. It's all important. I wouldn't have been able to write this book without all of that. Um, so between sixth grade and then college. And then 10 years ago, I, you know, got on this course of doing this. And then finally a year ago, October, um, I sat down and started this version of this book and actually had proper guidance from kind of some professional writers. I, I went to a writing workshop um, and they gave me tips on how to actually write. So I wrote this book. I had an editor that helped me with it, um, but I actually, it's not like a ghostwritten thing. I actually sat down and wrote it, yeah. um, it with some guidance of, of here's, how you know and the funny thing is when I did it my editor said this is all incredibly interesting tell me more <laughs> which was the first time in a long time that someone said tell me more okay so I think <laughs> I think I think maybe books are, are where I need to be that way I can put all the story in there and not try to dump it all in one conversation <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but that's great <laughs> yeah yeah it's been a really cool process and I cannot tell you you know how many times I've had to go Lindsay you're writing a book about the process you're writing a book about all the small steps and the possibility. So you need to be patient with that. Writing this book itself is about that. Sharing the book with people is about that. And it, and it takes time, right? And, and, you know, even winning the Olympic games, you still have insecurities and fears. It just gives you a little more like, okay, you have more things to remind you of, more experiences to draw on that help you believe in the long run. Yeah. And you said that this is not going to be, I mean, it's your first book, but it's not, it's not the last one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, I was saying hopefully, but no, there is more story. That's incredibly important, you know, of the kind of the now one going through injury and dealing with all of that, you know, is important to share as well. Um, just a very different story. So uh, this one is very much about teamwork and possibility and positivity and getting inside of what's going on inside the elite athlete's mind, you know, what's going on inside the novice mind. And you can kind of draw those connections between, oh, who was she here and who was she here and what happened um, in between in that process. Yeah. So it's that transformation from where you were, you know, insecure, not believing in yourself to, to where you are yeah. <laughs> a few years yeah, later. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I said earlier, there, there are journal entries in there. So you can literally see what I was thinking in those very specific moments. Yeah, that's that's super cool. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to reading it. I really want to. I need to do it. <laughs> I appreciate sure. that. I appreciate it yeah. very much. I'm, I'm reading it. I'm reading it myself because having it in um, physical mm -hmm. is, I mean, it's it's a beautiful book. It, it has turned out really, really well. Um, like the weight of it in your hand, the way that it feels, it really makes it a very different experience from what I've read of it the zillion, zillions of times and yeah. thousands of hours <laughs> of writing and editing. <laughs> of course. No, it looks, it looks really nice. So congratulations on that. That's amazing. Yeah. Really. Thank you. And for, yeah. you know, the people that do read your book, um, mm -hmm. what do you hope is like the main thing that they will take away from it? Of course, like believing that things are possible, like you talked about before yeah. as well, with, you know, when you speak in front of people, but is that yeah. the same for the book or is there anything else that you think is the main thing they want you want them to, to remember. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I won't share. I'll just, it's those same, it's those two, right? The two biggest ones yeah. are, are the possibility. You know, I, I do the possibility and the fact that it's never too late. I do wrap it up and because they all come together. Um, I'm not gonna give you like 10, 10 themes, but I do wrap it, wrap up the afterward um, and the acknowledgements in the book, really drawing back on the importance of the small moments and the small connections we make along the way. 
um, it really champions the value of how many people um, really impact our lives. And it's, you know, we impact our own life, but we can very much positively impact the lives of others around us. Um, and so that is a, a huge piece of it too, right? The small moments are the small steps we take along the way and the small connections are the, are the teammates, whether literal teammates or family members or, or coaches or other individuals in your life. Mm-hmm. And, that's, okay. and that's really what can help, yeah. Okay, awesome. And if anybody yeah. wants to buy your book, where can they, mm-hmm. where can they find it? Uh, so definitely on Amazon worldwide. Okay. Um, it's there, there's something like 40,000 retailers worldwide. I'm not sure it, it varies from country to country, but, uh, uh, I know for a fact that people in at least five different countries have purchased it, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, ho- hopefully maybe one day it'll be in lots of different languages, but you know, that's, that's up to paying it forward one book at a time. Right. Of you know? course. Um, but de- definitely on Amazon, you can definitely Google better, great than never. Um, Lindsay Shoup too. You can just literally Google it. It'll, it'll, it should pop up how you can get it in your respective area and in your um, respective country. Okay. Yeah. And I think we can, we can put a link as well in the description. I'm not sure that's oh, cool. going to be yeah. to the specific Amazon store, depending on, you know, yeah. <laughs> the listener. No, no. I, would, I, would, I would love to be able to support local retailers and local indie bookshops and have people go in. It's just a matter of, of picking it up and, and who course. has access, you know, who chooses to have access to it mm-hmm. um, throughout the world. So if you, the, the other thing that I am saying is if you enjoy it, if you like it, if the story resonates with you, I would love to know. So feedback, you know, throw, put a, put up an, a review on Goodreads or Amazon, or even, even, you know, through social media, like share with people, hashtag better, great than never. What is your possibility? What did resonate with you? Because I'm getting a lot of really cool feedback um, about what sticks and that helps me be better at, at sharing and knowing what is really meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point too, yeah. to remember as well when you read Connects it. Connects us all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we've been spending a lot of time obviously speaking about rowing and everything that <laughs> you've been doing, which obviously Sorry. was the point. No, that's that's great. Yeah. But um, I wanted to know what else you like to do, because obviously you spend a lot of time, you know, working uh, as a coach yeah. and a speaker and everything. But what are some of your other interests that you, you know, do? <laughs> I live a block from the ocean. I love the ocean. I love the beach. You know, I said I do ocean rescue part time. So I love to surf. I ride my bike everywhere. I'm a bicycle commuter. <laughs> Okay. Like I do not have a car. Um, so those are really my, my main things. So I sleep, I exercise and I love the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now that's really Is that what you're looking for? (laughs) I mean, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, spending time with my family and friends, but that's, that's really who I am. It's that simple. Yeah. That's awesome. Really. Yeah. And, um, one question that we always ask as well on this podcast is that, you know, this is really about sharing the stories of different professional Mm -hmm. athletes to understand that you know everyone really has a unique road that they're on to to you know achieve the things that they're looking to achieve so if you could give just one piece of advice to everyone that's listening who you know have big dreams they have a lot of things they they want to accomplish what would that what would that be yeah when um you find that thing when your outlet is deeply meaningful to you that it is a, about you as a person growing. Um, you know, we, we mentioned this a little bit before, but when it's about you as a person growing rather than just that external thing, it's gonna take you so much farther, you know, because it is deeply tied to who you are. And it's so then it doesn't just become about that race or that moment, that event, it becomes about you as a human being. And that goes well beyond, and it's much more enduring. And it's not, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And so being able to tie that, what you're doing, making it deeply meaningful will carry you so much farther 
Yeah, that's great. It connects as well with what you said before. So that's, yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. And I have one more question for you. Um, and that is, you know, what is the last thing that you either read or that you watched? It could be like a book if you read other books as well, or maybe a TV show, whatever it is that, you know, inspired you and that you think that um, everyone listening yeah. should check out. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, I, I would recommend it, you know, other things, but um, I don't watch a ton of TV. I only watch it kind of in passing. Um, but two things, if you're ever feeling, two things I'll say is, um, go out for a jog or a walk 20 minutes can be so energizing and it just is so uplifting if i find if i know i have a lot happening on a given day i am so inspired if i get up and do my morning stretches or i get up and go for a run even if it's just 15 or 20 minutes mm -hmm. you know um the other thing is to be honest rereading this book and hearing what other people are saying about it has been so inspiring to see you know a high school you know a, a 20 year old boy a 20 year old i shouldn't say boy 20 year old man you know post on his Instagram that this is why he loves this. I'm just, I read his comment and that comment is the inspiring thing, you know? And uh, I know that that sounds hokey and I don't want it to sound selfish or, you know, oh, whatever, no. but that, that it really did, you know, because that, that feedback, when I see that happening in young people, um, that's just so meaningful for me. Yeah, no, I don't think that's, you know, like selfish or looking at your own stuff that way. I think that makes sense because obviously, you put all of that out there and you want to see how that resonates with people. And, um, of course, if, if you can help others and you can inspire them with what you do, then that's inspiring you in, in return. Yeah. So it's inspiration is a two way street. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And if, um, anybody else wants to get in contact with you or maybe follow along with what you do, um, what's the best yeah. place to, to do that? Uh, a couple, two places you can find me at Lindsay Dare Shoop because Dare is my middle name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on on Instagram, um, you can also find me at my web website lindsaydareshoop.com, and you can message me in both places. Uh, you know, the book itself. There's more book information on better great than than never um, and you can you can follow you can you can message me, and I will do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> From a direct message standpoint, too. Yeah. So yeah. Perfect. We'll put that in the description as well. So that becomes a bit easier. If someone wants to yeah. get in contact with you. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much, um, Lindsay. You've been yeah very kind with your time. We've been speaking for a long time now and it's been, it's been great <laughs> truly to, to learn a lot more about your journey, everything that you've been through. And obviously with you being a coach and a you know, speaker as well, there's a lot of things that you say that I think everyone can really apply to their own lives, whether they're athletes or what it is that they're doing. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really great. We really appreciate it and looking forward to reading your book soon. <laughs> Thank you. And I wish you guys all the best with what you're doing here because this is a fantastic platform, a fantastic, fantastic um, uh, theme and topics that you speak on. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and give us five stars. It really means a lot to us. You can find all the links to Lindsay's social media and her book in the description below. For more information about us and the podcast, follow us on Instagram at easypodcast underscore. See you next week.